The second case for argument is Osseo Area Schools Independent School District number 279 versus AJT. morning. May it please the court, counsel. My name is Christian Schaefer. I'm here today on behalf of the school district with regard to its appeal of the district court's decision that the school district violated the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act by failing to provide AJT a free appropriate public education. As stated in our briefs, your honors, the hearing officer committed several errors, as did the district court, and their decision should be reversed. The facts in this case are not unique, Your Honors. AJT has a severe seizure disorder that prevents her from attending school before noon. As evidenced by the record, however, the school district educates many students with severe disabilities, including severe seizure disorders, and many students whose disabilities prevent them from coming to school before noon. The question of law before this court isn't unique either. The only legal question that was certified by the ALJ for hearing decided by the ALJ, appealed to the district court, decided by the district court, and appealed to this court is whether the IEPs drafted by the school district offered AJT a free appropriate public education. I know this court has grappled with this decision many times as recently as this year and the MLK decision from last year too. The only thing that's unique about this case is the hearing officer's decision to order the school district to educate a student in her home in the evening after she'd already attended school from 12 until 4.15, which was already at the time of hearing 95 minutes beyond the end of the regular school day. And the basis of that determination and the district court's order affirming that was the belief that AJT might have made more progress had she received more educational services. But more is not the standard. And this court and the Supreme Court have repeatedly rejected the argument. Wasn't there a finding there was regression as well? There was a finding of regression, and with regard to that, the regression was one, not in an area regarding or areas covered by her IEP. Um, there's some questionable questionable regression. Um, Dr. Richley's statement that AJT um, regressed on her ability to communicate with peers via a pre-recorded button um, is based on one observation. And there's, of course, a lot of reasons why a child might not respond to one peer on one occasion. It also does not accurately reflect the fact that she had not used that pre-recorded button since so coming to So what's our standard review of those factual findings? The standard review of the factual findings is the due weight standard. Um, they have to give due weight to the, to the ALJs, not AGT, sorry, factual determinations given the ALJ's ability to observe witness demeanor. I don't think witness demeanor has anything to do with the timeline in this one. Um, about the regression on toileting. I mean, that's the most significant one where I think she was um, going like 50% of the time before, but has regressed to zero. So... I don't think it was regression all the way to zero is what they were saying. But 50%, as we said in our brief, is still the rate of chance, Your Honor. And toileting was a decision by the IEP team to remove that as a goal, given her lack of progress over time. But that was only because there wasn't enough time in the day to teach it. Something had to be given up, right? All IEP teams are required to prioritize. That's baked into IDEA. All teachers and all subjects are required to prioritize. Uh, Dr. Richley even said in his uh, testimony that is partially cited by the ALJ, but Dr. Richley said that even given all of his suggestions, 
that there would need to be major prioritization because there wasn't time in a regular school day to implement all of it. But if there were an extra hour and a half or, or whatever they're seeking, then, then toileting could have been a skill that um, was part of the education, correct? That is correct, but that goes to more, Your Honor. There could have been an hour and a half. She could have learned more, maybe, um, on any number of subjects. But same thing with any student. Any student might benefit from more instruction. Well, and that I think that brings up the problem that I'm seeing. It's not the, – the school district's position is not about um, what would be best for her, I don't think. The way I understand the record is it's what would be best – for the faculty, the staff um, who don't want to work until six o'clock, and I understand that's a concern, but I'm not sure that that's a concern that's necessarily pre uh, uh, predominant under under Idea. Uh, well, with regard to that, Your Honor, that is a procedural claim under Idea, and there was no separate procedural claim raised in this case. And in any event, procedural claims like that, the failure to consider the right factors or what the court perceived as the right factors, is only. Um, actionable under IDEA or only warrants a finding the district violated IDEA if it also deprived the student of a FAPE or um, significantly impaired the parents, or I'm sorry, seriously hampered is the words this court has used, the parents' ability to participate in the IEP process, which the record demonstrates the parents uh, were not hampered in their ability to participate in the IEP process. Wait, I'm not understanding that. I'm, your argument is we couldn't provide it because there's not enough hours and they only get this this many hours. Um, and And the uh, ALJ noted that, um, and we're reviewing that. And my my question simply is: Well, you could have provided more hours, but the reason why you didn't, and this is just in the record, is because you didn't want staff to have to work later in the day. Is I mean, why is that not before us? It was not presented as a separate procedural claim. Here. Why does it have to be? It's, it, it's actually justifying. It's the justification for why you purportedly didn't didn't comply with IDEA. I hear what you're saying, Your Honor. Okay. Um, I... Let me ask this. Um, as I understand IDEA, a school district can assert a defense of we don't have the staff or we don't have the funds. And I don't think that was, number one, am I right about that? And number two, was was that asserted here? It was not asserted as a separate legal defense, Your Honor. We, we stayed away from that in the proceedings. Um, Okay, then, then I think what we're left with is exactly what Judge Strauss said. It's kind of convenience of the staff. So, Your Honor, um, I, I was that trying to That seems like a thin read. I was trying to uh, think of a more eloquent way of saying it, but they have all escaped me. The school day is a thing, Your Honor. And in the first, in the Fort Zumwalt case, this court an, uh, analyzed the purpose of IDEA to open the doors of education to all students with disabilities and recognize that school districts have limited federal funding to do that. So that does go to your first point, can the school district consider this? And as, as uh, evidenced by the various factors raised in the uh, motion to show cause in the IDEA case, it was not something the school district could do. It is not something the school district asserted. Right? No, the school district did not assert it as a separate procedural defense. We focused on FAPE. We focused on the inquiry, which is, is the IEP as written, reasonably okay, calculated? So like provide? I said, and I think like Judge Strauss was alluding to, I think you're left with the convenience of the staff. And again, Your Honor, however the, however the team may have gotten there, the inquiry in FAPE, the question of whether this IEP provided a FAPE is whether the IEP as written 
was reasonably calculated to allow the student to make appropriate educational progress in light of her unique circumstances. And the progress in this record shows that that standard was met, regardless of how the team may have gotten there. Well, here's the problem I have with that. I have I have a high school age child, and um, he's a member of clubs, and he's a member of um, and sometimes after school he could stay till six or six thirty with staff. Um, it's not uncommon for him to do that. And so your argument is it has to be limited. And there's staff there. There's staff there during the entire time. And your argument is it has to end at the end of the school day. But even for non-disabled students, um, staff stays well past the end of the school day. So I don't, I guess I just do not understand your argument. So with regard to that, Your Honor, she didn't end at the end of the school day. Her, her day was extended beyond the end of the school day. And by the time of hearing, she was staying in school 95 minutes past the end of the school day. With regard, that was because she had uh, opted out and gone to her previous IEP, right? And the, because she moved on to middle school, is that right? She moved on to middle and school. And so the day shortened, and she stayed with her previous IEP, right? The, the end of the school day in middle school was earlier, yes. So her, I mean, her, her day didn't shorten. Her day remained at four hours and 15 minutes, but the, the other school day started earlier and ended later. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I interrupted your response to Judge Strauss. No. So. Oh, that's all right. Um, Your Honor, with regard to extracurricular activities, this is more, I think, in the vein of the 504 case we're going to be hearing next, but there are staff at various extracurricular activities. They are not special educators necessarily. They're not there to provide one-on-one -on -one services for students. Um, there's no dispute had AJT come to an extracurricular event, she would have been welcome. No, she I get that. My only point is, is when you're talking about the convenience of the staff, um, when you have so many staff and faculty members who are staying, you know, to be, to supervise clubs or to administer tests, we've had, you know, obviously you can administer tests after school. I just think as Judge Grunder was mentioning, that's a really hard argument to make that, oh, you know, we need to end at the end of the school day or closely thereafter, and we can't have people staying till six o'clock when people are staying till six o'clock for other reasons. So with, with regard to that, Your Honor, I say I'm getting close to the time I'd like to save for a rebuttal, but with regard to that argument, um, tests are an occasional uh, event. Clubs are something that somebody has signed up for in advance. They're an occasional thing. It's not the same staff member dedicated staying until six o'clock or 6.30 day in, day out. Uh, to assist one particular student. That would present a different um, practical consideration than a football coach, the chess club coach, or something like that. Uh, Your Honors, I'm, again, I'd like to save some time for rebuttal, but as I said, uh, or attempted to say, the standard in the case is whether the IEPs, as written, regardless of what other services may have existed that may have allowed her to make more benefit, provided her the opportunity to make a meaningful progress in light of her unique circumstances. And the record in this case, the progress she made um, demonstrates that she did, even the fact that she did not regress on skills that were actually covered in her IEP. Um, and with regard to that, the last thing I'll say about the third area that uh, the court looked at uh, on regression signing, the, the major sign that she stopped using was the sign for jump. The sign for jump related to a trampoline she had in the Kentucky school district. She was not using a trampoline in the school district. The school district was not working on the sign with jump for her. And of course, any skill that is not worked on for whatever reason does not make as much progress or possibly uh, has regressed. So with that, I will save the rest of the time unless you have further questions, Your Honor. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, honors. May it please the court, counsel. 
I'm Amy Getz. I represent AJT and her parents in this matter. <clears throat> this is the special education case. AJT is a unique student with complex needs, with a severe disorder, a, a severe um, seizure disorder that requires a careful balance between her care and treatment and her education, and that balance has been struck for years by her medical care and her parents to require that she not start school before noon. She was getting a shortened school day until the district was ordered to provide her with a full school day. Since then, she's been receiving more school services and making more progress. The district is able to provide this and should continue. The question is whether the law permits the denial of a free, appropriate public education by taking away services from this student after 4.15 when she makes more progress with more hours. Ms. Getz, am I right that the um, unavailability of funds or of staff is, an, is a defense that they could assert? No, I don't think it is. And I don't think it is because the Supreme Court in Garrett F. in the early 2000s essentially said on a case involving the provision of related services to a child who need a, needed a full-time nurse at school in order to attend, they essentially said lack of resources is no defense. We just got a memo from the Minnesota Department of Education weeks ago that said we recognize that schools have staff shortages. It does not impair the right of students to a free appropriate public education. You need to provide those services or you need to make up to those students the services they miss because of your staff shortages. I wanted to ask about the at-home part of this. And, and, and it's one thing for the, for the services to be provided at school. And it seems like even toileting skills could be potentially provided at school. Does the fact that there was a request to do this at home make it different than, say, the club example I gave where staff, staff stays on premises, but here we're requiring them to go in the home? Not at all, in our view. Is there a difference? In fact, the parents uh, offered to have the last hour and a half of services provided to their daughter at home as a concession to the district. So they didn't have to keep a classroom open. So they didn't have to staff a part of a school building. It was just more convenient and they thought more economically efficient to offer that those services could be provided at home to their daughter the last hour and a half a day, just like it was provided in Kentucky the last two hours of the day. So they were willing to do it at the school as well? Absolutely. Okay. Let me ask this. If, let's say her condition was such that um, she was only capable of being taught between midnight and 6 a.m. Would they have to do that? We think they would because the alternative is not sustainable uh, with respect to the statute. The alternative would be she would get no instruction at all, and we just don't think that's a tenable read of the IDEA, that a student with disabilities can be adequately served with no instruction at all. Lots of professions have, have graveyard shifts, I guess they call them. District officials were well aware AJT needed a full day of school when she moved into the district and that her prior school district in Kentucky met that need. She got a full day of school and she made progress. 
The district knew she needed a full day of school because they offered to provide one to her with the one-to-one -one services she needed so long as she could come at the opening bell of the day. It's undisputed that AJT is medically unable to start her school day before noon. And if that were required, her condition would inevitably worsen. Those were the words of her treating neurologist, Dr. Galen Brenningstall. Because disturbing her sleep schedule increases the frequency and severity of her seizures, which do damage to her brain. AJT cannot get her needs met with a partial day of school, but the district did not want to provide after school hours. All of the district's reasons refusing to give her a full day of school were discounted by the administrative law judge and the district court as pretext for its scheduling priority. The opinions on the length of her school day, what it is she needed, were not ever even considered by the district because the opinions of her parents, her teachers, her medical providers, the independent educational evaluator, were never heard or discussed or considered by the district. Council, suppose she was getting a full day, and we were, we were here having this exact, this exact argument, so the full whatever, six-hour day, and toileting was something that she regressed on, and another hour, hour and a half would have, would have helped with the toileting skill. Would the school district have had to then schedule longer than the full day, an extra hour, hour and a half to take care of that toileting skill? We think the answer to that is yes. And we think so because there are a number of decisions that talk about extended school day, more hours than what everybody else gets. And when needs are particularly severe, students get longer hours than what are typically provided. The IDEA has a provision for residential placement which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so consistent with the statute, we think the answer is yes. So there really is no stopping point. If, if to get the education that she needs, if it required 24-hour around-the-clock care, that's exactly what the school district would have to provide. Yes, because that's exactly what the statute requires. There was no parent participation, no IEPT meeting, no evaluation to determine AJT's needs for a full day or a partial school day, no witness testified that a full school day would harm her or that she would not make more progress. Instead, the district decided outside of the team process and unrelated to any evaluation of what this student needed, that she could have only 65% of the school day, an arbitrary decision based on district scheduling, not her needs. The district claims that she made progress so it can shorten her school day, but the statute does not support this either. She regressed in important skills with a shortened day like communication, socialization, self-care skills. She lost important signing skills. She lost the ability to greet her peers. She lost the ability to void on the toilet. In fact, her toileting goals and services were entirely removed from her IEP because there wasn't enough time in the shortened school day. And her communication goals and services were similarly cut back. These are critical skills for AJT to be as independent as possible, impacting the quality of the rest of her life. 
Nothing in the statute permits a, a school to cut down a student's school day if they make some progress. The district's witnesses at hearing agreed with this. The district's rule would set schools up to give the shortest school day possible so long as any progress is made. Regular education students don't face this barrier and the statute does not require special education students to prove they're entitled to a full day of school. Rowley and Andrew F., the cases from the Supreme Court, do not permit the district to cut down AJT's school day to the minimum necessary to produce any progress. Well, you know, that's where I think both parties are, are going to the extreme here. Um, so I think the school district is we don't have to provide past, past the end of the school day no matter what time she starts. And I think, maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your position is she needs to get the full school day. She needs to get six hours. But I think just like if you need 24-hour day care, if she can get all her needs met in four hours, I don't understand why that's not enough, why she's entitled to a full school day if she's starting at noon. That doesn't make sense to me. She's not getting her needs met in four and No, I understand. Hours. That's different. Yeah. And um, no regular education student enrolling in the district has to somehow prove that they're entitled to the full day of school that's just handed out to them. No special education student um, has to prove that they're entitled to a full day of school. Setting that rule up would be contrary, we think, to the statute and would require an almost insurmountable barrier applied really only to students with disabilities to prove they need something everybody else gets, a full day of school. Andrew F. and Rowley require ambitious goals and challenging objectives, not minimal services. Instead, AJT got only curtailed goals and objectives, cut down to fit a, a partial school day. There's just no dispute. She could have learned more with more instruction. There's no provision in the statute that student needs are bound by the regular school schedule. This is why placements like residential treatment are part and parcel of the statute and are required to be provided with extended 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week supports. That's why AJT needs instruction until 6 p.m., when she cannot start school until noon. AJT's needs cannot be met in the standard school day, but she needs intensive one-to-one -one services in order to make meaningful progress. One-to-one -one services are based on her extensive needs. They're not a substitute for the full day of school she also needs. Her instruction must be delivered one-to-one -one because she communicates primarily with eye gaze and she's dependent on adult assistance for her mobility. This is not a case about maximizing her progress, but only about giving a student who needs significant improvement a full day to participate and progress. We respectfully request that the court uh, affirm the district court's decision in its entirety. If there are no more questions, I'll rest. Thank you, Ms. Getz. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honors. Uh, there are a couple of things said that I do want to clear up. Um, Ms. Getz said she's been making more progress with the more services. There's nothing in the record to 
substantiate that. The record at the hearing did not include anything after the hearing officer's order. We attempted to supplement the record to address that in the district court. That motion was denied. It's not before us. Um, obviously, we have a different opinion as well, uh, as we were the ones who attempted to supplement the record. Um, I do want to point out, though, that the hearing officer concluded, and this is in the record, and it's on page 9 of the hearing officer's decision, that AJT's progress at the school district was comparable to her progress in Kentucky, where she was receiving, at most, six hours of instruction. She had periods of progress and periods where her skills, quote, waned, according to the hearing officer. That's a finding. So comparable progress to Kentucky is not more progress with more services. Six hours, she makes same progress as four hours and 15 minutes. She can have her needs met in four hours and 15 minutes, and she did have her needs met in four hours and 15 minutes. Um, a couple of other notes on that. Uh, Your Honor, you mentioned, um, you asked the question, what would happen if she were only educable during the period of midnight to 6 a.m.? IDEA does not create a floating school day. As I said earlier, and I, I said it colloquially, and I apologize for that, but the school day is a thing. The school day is set by school boards, and I think the drafters in IDEA understood and the, the sort of resources of a school district and the structure of a school district. And yes, there are programs. There are residential treatment programs. There are day treatment programs. There are programs outside of the school district for students who require those kinds of services. There's no argument in this case anywhere that she requires residential treatment. Um, Ms. Getz mentioned eye gaze. Now, I gather that's a non-issue, though. If, if her parents are willing to have it done at the school, the residential part of it seems like a non-issue. The residential part's a non-issue because she doesn't require 24-hour education, Your Honor. That's, and yes, the location, the location is largely irrelevant. We're talking about the amount of time. Okay. Um, Ms. Getz mentioned eye gaze. Eye gaze is the primary mode of communication. We agree with that. Dr. Richley, the IEP team, agreed that she should not focus on sign language, A, because of her disability, and B, because of its limited uses in the community at large, and instead should focus on eye gaze. Eye gaze is the area where she made significant progress throughout her time at the school district. She made significant progress on her most um, pressing need in communications. Um, again, Your Honor, I know you said that both parties were going to extreme. We never said services had to end at the end of the school day. It was extended beyond the end of the regular well, I agree, but I think, I think my understanding is that was kind of forced because that's what was happening in middle school and that there was a posi the position of the high school was, no, we're not going to do that, but they continued to do it. It, it began in uh, – it's elementary school and middle school. The school Sorry. Program. No, that's all right. Uh, I just, I got to set myself. Yeah. Um, the elementary school day was extended by 15 minutes beyond the regular school day already. And then the district did propose going back to the regular school schedule. The parents objected to that proposal, and the district agreed, agreed with the parents' uh, request at that point to keep the 415 start, uh, stop time, which was at that point 95 minutes beyond the end of the regular school. And day. that's legally required when there's a disagreement like that. You've got to keep in place the original The statehood IEP, IEP. yep. Yeah. And the district made one proposal and has not made a subsequent proposal. 415 is fine. Um, Ms. Getz mentioned students not needing to prove their entitlement. That, um, that assumes a presumption, and we have a brief on that. We disagree with that. Um, largely, however, Your Honor, we, we do disagree with the premise that the only thing being considered was um, staff needs. The district proposed an IEP that was FAPE. As evidenced by the progress she made, she received FAPE. Um, 
regardless of the, the various statements from various educators early in the process. These IEPs were going early on. All those statements were made very early on in the process. Um, in addition, the comment about regular ed students going for the full regular school day uh, misses out that the day treatment and chemical dependency, for example, are for regular ed students as well who receive less instruction. Apologize for running over. If there are no further questions, we rest. Hearing none, thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. I understand we have the same cast.